You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. So you are what you are in this world. That's either one or two things. Either you're somebody or you're nobody. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I don't know why, but finding a little bit of an intro prior to the intro has become my favorite thing to do in the entire day. I have no idea if anybody knows what that was, cares what that is. I'm not even interested if people like it. I love it, and <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm so glad I picked the intro song that I did, because I think it works perfectly with doing what I'm doing. It's like an exclamation point on an awesome Denzel Washington line. Couldn't be happier. Unfortunately, it's kind of all downhill from here. And I don't just mean because the show is bad, because it's not. I mean, it, it's a good show. But it's going to be one of those things where... I'm going to say some stuff, and I don't want to have to say some stuff, but it's just, you know, I'm going to try to just pose it as an open question, and we'll see where that takes us. But clearly, I'm making a statement, and I've, I've kind of made the statement before. This is nothing really new, but some stuff came up again because it's the off season and we need clickbait, and then, you know, there was a counter-reaction to that thing. And I was trying to think what to do about it, and, and I don't even remember how it all came to me, but I, I had a thought. You know, if you want to have a discussion with somebody with, with someone about something, and you want to get their honest, unbiased opinion, or better yet, if you want to prove out the idea that people aren't as biased and crazy as you think they are, or as people seem to be based on what they say on Twitter and Facebook and everything else, what you got to do is catch them with their guard down. you got to catch them with their guard down. Everybody's got their guard up on stuff, especially right now. And the word political is weird, but, you know, literally everything can be considered quote-unquote political. It's weird the way that works. But the point is, let me give you an example. I grew up in Illinois. The school district I went to was called U46. It was notoriously not a great school system. And I think most people have had bad experiences in school. So I will say something to the effect of, you know, I had a teacher one time. He was a history teacher in my middle school. Literally, every single day, all he would do, he would record on VHS the History Channel. He would bring that VHS tape into school. He would play that for us. We would have to take notes on this this episode of the History Channel. And then at the end of class, we would read the notes out loud. And to make matters worse, I don't know if you've ever seen that Happy Gilmore, or not Happy Gilmore, my goodness. Uh, Patch Adams? How I got those confused, I don't know. Something to do with a clown, probably. But there's a sign in Patch Adams, or a scene in Patch Adams early where he's talking to his shrink and the guy's not even listening to him. And I I did that in this class. I just started saying gibberish. I even used the pogo stick line. Can't say what that line is, it's inappropriate, but I said it in class. Class erupted in laughter. And that's when the teacher perked up and looked over at me and said, Oh, what was that? No, oh, yeah, no, the, the Germans in World War II, blah, 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 blah. Made something up. Doesn't, it doesn't matter because he didn't even watch the episode. Bottom line is, though, 
everybody's had bad experiences. And everybody, when their guard is down, will talk about, oh, I know, I had this one teacher. And it's it's a, it's just a conversation from person to person about an experience that everybody's had. We had fights, we had drugs, we had bad teachers, we had this, we had that, da 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 Now, if you want to do this as an experiment, change it a little bit. Say something to the effect of, this is the problem with public schools or whatever, and watch how quickly the attitude changes. Or, for example, if I say something to the, to the effect of, this is why I homeschool my kids, I do, by the way, watch how violently people will turn away from that and start to defend these great public institutions. And I'm not trying to say anything bad about... I don't, I don't, that's not the point. See, everybody's already getting upset. It was all fun and jokes and funny until I said a couple things, and now everybody's angry because your guard is up. That's my point. And so I came into this episode with a similar kind of thought. I wanted to ask a question without trying to raise any alarms. Because once people's guards are up, they're not going to tell the truth anymore. They're going to lie because this becomes a quote-unquote political issue. I'm not talking about school anymore. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers. There was a list that was made by another person that I've never heard of in my life. Uh, actually, I have heard of him. I don't know who he is, though. Sean Wagner McGuff, I think is how you pronounce his name. Top 10 NFL quarterbacks right now. Presented by Geico. The list is thusly. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Matt Stafford, Carson Wentz, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. Now let's leave out the fact that I do think Aaron Rodgers is a top 10 quarterback. Let's leave out the fact that this list is kind of ridiculous to begin with. I think Matt Stafford at 7, despite the fact that he did have a good year last year, is a little bit crazy. Dak Prescott at 5 is an absolute joke. I think Kirk Cousins, if, if we're going to put any mediocre quarterback that had relative success recently, Kirk Cousins should be on this list. The The constant insistence of putting Tom Brady on this list despite having no idea what's going to happen in Tampa is ridiculous. Ben Roethlisberger, I don't know what this sudden love of Ben Roethlisberger is. Not that he's bad, but the guy, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that's been declining and injured and wanting to quit and everything else. Plus, all his weapons are gone. We don't know what he is anymore. It's just... So the list is trash. I, I, I'll grant you that. But you know how I am. If you've been listening to the show, you understand how I operate. I saw the list and I thought, this is ridiculous. Then I saw Packers fans' reactions and I said, this is ridiculous. And so I posed the... I, I thought, how am I going to go about this? Because the problem is, there is no great metric in judging anything in sports, or, or at least in football. I won't, you know, baseball, fine, whatever. I don't know anything about that. I don't care. Apparently, that's a little easier. Football, there's no way. And there's actually somewhat of a interesting conundrum. There is an inverse problem when you look at how to judge, for example, a quarterback in relation to how much information we use. Here's what I mean. If you just want to pick one stat, the problem is there's too many variables to make that one stat worthwhile. It doesn't matter what it is. Touchdown to interception ratio, wins, right? The problem is anytime somebody throws something like that out, they're not using enough information. The problem with using too much information is it becomes too subjective, right? PFF has, they use a ton of information, but there's a lot of things that aren't exactly concrete that are being used. You know, their grading scale, for example, is is kind of just made up. Not to say there isn't any research or, or thought that goes into it, but it's not a real solid thing. The number of touchdowns he threw is 100,000% an actual number. It's not debatable. 
how many points to give a guy for throwing a pass to a certain area is entirely subjective. The entire scale they use, I think it's like a two-point scale, that's made up. What, what is a two-point scale? What does that even mean? And how do you, when do you give somebody one point, two points, one and a half points, a half point, zero points, negative point, five points? You see what I'm saying? It's a, it's a subjective scale. Um, similarly, for example, another very good metric, and we're going to look at it for quarterbacks. I'm not trying to be mean. These are, I, I, well, a, a, we'll get to that, but one of the, the other ways that is seen as a great way to judge a quarterback is adjusted net yards per attempt. Even that is very subjective and kind of made up. If you look at the formula, where does that come from? You have to, the, the problem is you're looking at a bunch of different stats. You're looking at yards, you're looking at touchdowns, and you're trying to figure out how exactly they correlate. How many yards before you're equal to the value of a touchdown? So you have to quantify the value of a yard, quantify the value of a touchdown, quantify the negative value of an interception. And even if you read Pro Football Reference's adjusted net yards per attempt formula, they have multipliers in there, and they've changed what the multipliers are. Right? They, they used to say a yard times 10 plus touchdowns or whatever. Now they say a, a, a yard times 20 based on new research. It, it's all subjective. So there is no perfect way to judge a quarterback. So I went into the Facebook group and I said, all right, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put it on me because no matter what I say, I'm going to get attacked for it. If I use PFF, well, that's your fault for using PFF. If I use adjusted net yards per attempt, they're going to say, well, you should be using PFF. Or you should be using this, or you should be looking at wins, or you should be looking at the body of work, or you should be da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So I put it on you. You tell me the best way to judge a quarterback. You give me the formula, you give me the criteria, and then I took it a step farther. And I said, what does it mean to be elite? Because the general consensus among the Packers community, I would say if I were to ask the Facebook group, if Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback, not everybody would say yes, but a lot would say yes. And then if I go outside of the Facebook group, uh, one of the things I've realized is I, I genuinely like the Packernet podcast community because it is stark. There is a stark contrast between my group and general Packers groups. I would bet if I were to ask, is Aaron Rodgers elite, probably 70% would say yes in my group nearly 100% would say yes in every other Packers group. And so look, again, I'm going to pose this as a question. I'm going to just go through the information that I found based on the criteria that you gave me. Where does Aaron Rodgers rank? Where has he ranked in the last five years? And then we're going to look at elite, and you tell me if you think he's elite. You tell me, not just 2019, but over the last five years, do you think Aaron Rodgers has been an elite quarterback? Now, it's uncomfortable. Nobody wants to talk about it. But again, it does kind of hearken to the fact that we're, we're basically saying, look, the Jordan Love thing is an overreaction. They're just picking up a guy. It doesn't mean anything. Aaron Rodgers is still the GOAT. If I'm going to do this show, and this show means anything other than just, you know, I mean, look, there's a lot of shows out there that'll tell you just whatever you want to hear. Aaron Rodgers is the best, and you know, who's, you know, if you were to just do a survey on some shows, who's the best wide receiver? Devontae. Who's the best quarterback? Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Who's the best tight end? Jay Sternberger. I mean, I don't know if anybody would actually say that, but I'm not going to do that. I, I, I can't be that person. Now, I could just avoid this show, but I think it's interesting. And I think it's important. And if we're, we're going to be the kind of people that understand and know this team rightly 
and actually know what's going on internally with the head coach. Because here's the other thing. This is information that Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst have. This is the information that they had when they drafted Jordan Love. Does that make sense? I have to be quick with it because, as usual, I'm, I'm sleeping right through. I have like five 3 o'clock alarms set. In other words, 3 o'clock, 3.10, 3.15, 3.20. I sleep through every single one of them, and I wake up at my 4 o'clock alarm. So I, I just... My body is refusing to do the podcast lately, and I apologize. It's going to be relatively short, but why don't we take a break, and then I'm going to rip through just the information that I found, and I'm, I might leave some of them out because I did the work, and then I saw some extra comments on this, and I didn't actually do the work on them, but we'll see how far we get. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so let's just start with the Pro Football Focus grade. Now, usually people don't object too much to Pro Football Focus unless it contradicts what they believe, and then they hate Pro Football Focus. There are some people that are true believers. There are some people that just genuinely hate them all the time, no matter what. But seriously, go on Twitter and just argue with somebody using a PFF grade, and instantly they'll laugh at you and say, well, that's what, you know, again. I tend to think it's one of the better metrics out there, depending on what you're looking at. But anyways, here is where Aaron Rodgers ranked via PFF over the last five years. 9th, 6th, 13th, 4th, and 14th. Aaron Rodgers has been a top five quarterback once. One time in the last five years. Top five. So, again, just putting this in perspective, you look at it, well, I mean, he's been top top ten three times. Let's quantify this a bit. And this is going to go into, there was a really good comment about what is it. Well, you know what? Let's look at that right now because I think this is a solid metric. Because as we go through this, I want you to have elite in the back of your mind and what it means to be elite. So let me go through the different comments really quickly. Ross says the elite dictionary definition, a select group that is superior in terms of ability or qualities to the rest of the group or society. Then he says 32 starting quarterbacks, so it has to be top three. I don't know how he gets that from the definition necessarily, but it actually makes sense. You think about it, it's like, well, top three, that's kind of rare. No, top three basically means one in ten. If you're not one in ten, are you really elite? You talk about top ten, and it's like, oh, man, top ten quarterback, that's great. That's one in three. One in three quarterbacks is a top ten quarterback. There's only 32 Maybe a little bit more because a couple other people come in still. So so it's 35. I do think top three is a bare minimum. I also don't think it's it's ridiculous to say that maybe you should be better than third once in a while. But I suppose if you can maintain top three status, that's probably pretty impressive. For example, if we just look at Drew Brees the last couple years, he was second this past year. 
again, just using PFF. He was number one in 2018. He was number five in 2017, uh, number six in 2016, and number four in 2015. So what, top three that I say two or three times? I think three. And top five, four out of five years. The one year he wasn't, he was sixth. And again, we compare that to Aaron Rodgers. Ninth, sixth, thirteenth, fourth, fourteenth. On average, if we just average those, average those ninth. Now, I understand there was a year in which he was hurt. Here's the way I handle that. If the stat is quantitative, in other words, yards, touchdowns, whatever, I don't add that because obviously you're not going to have as many yards. If it's based on an average, in other words, yards per game, touchdowns per game, or PFF grades, I do include it because your grade is your grade. It doesn't, it, it basically averages out. So it doesn't matter that he was hurt based on his PFF grade. There's no reason to believe he would have gotten better or worse. And here's the other thing to keep in mind. Every single one of these metrics strangely follows very closely. It doesn't matter what metric you're looking at. There is a pattern. 2016 was the one very, very good year. 2015 and 2017 were very, very bad years. 2017 obviously being a year in which he was injured. So there's some iffiness there. And then 2018 and 2019 putting up relatively Stafford-esque Kirk Cousins-esque kind of, kind of, in fact, 2017 through 2019, you're kind of looking in that upper middle kind of area for three years now. Now, also keep in mind, I'm not referring to his ability to throw on the run, the highlight reel type stuff. I'm just talking about if we zoom out, forget that one crazy pass as he's falling away that happens once every two to three weeks, or maybe once a game, depending on how crazy you want to call a, a pass. I'm just talking about throughout the entire course of a game, how good are you? Play to play, down to down, right? So here's another metric. Eighth, or excuse me, this is touchdowns. Eighth, 13th, 24th, which I'm going to omit. First in 2016 and 10th. If we remove 2017, he's eighth. Again, barely top 10. Basically Stafford, Kirk Cousins level, which is you know kind of where we generally think of them. 10th, 12th in that range. If we leave 2017 in, he's 11th. Now, why would you leave 2017 in? You got to remember, everybody, there, there are a lot of times when quarterbacks get hurt. Right? If he's 13th in 2018, you think I can't find a quarterback that got hurt that might have been higher, that would have dropped him from 13th to 14th or 15th or 16th? If we just did touchdowns per game as a metric, which I didn't do because I'm trying to rip through as many of these as possible and it's not something that's found, so I would have to actually do the math, and I would have to do it five times over five years, and I'm just not doing that. I'm kind of proving a general point, not trying to be that specific. What if we just look at yards? 11th, 6th, 32nd omitted, 4th, and 17th. If we average out those four years, not including 2017, he's 10th. What about ability to move the sticks? Now, this is a somewhat of a harder metric, so what I did is I looked at third and fourth down success rate just while passing, not including running. So third down and fourth down, what is the passing success rate? It only goes for four years, uh, this particular site, so I took those four years. 11th, 20th, 23rd, and 3rd. If you average those, he's been 14th over the last four years. Um, and then, of course, somebody threw out touchdown to interception ratio. That's the one metric everybody knows Aaron Rodgers is very good at. However, he's only been number one once, um, and it's a very hard metric to find. 
but I, f- he, I, I found a list of top touchdown to interception years. And so I found on that list, he was second in 2019, first in 2018. I couldn't even find him on the list in 2017. Again, it's, it's a ratio, so it has nothing to do with an injury. He was second in 2016 and third in 2015. So if you genuinely want to use touchdown to interception ratio as your metric, then Aaron Rodgers is both elite and the best quarterback in football. I don't think you can make an argument that that is the metric. If you want to look at QBR, if we start taking more aggregate approaches, QBR is one of those things where you take a bunch of different stats and try to quantify them. QBR is also the metric that was used, or at least seemingly the metric that was used in this post by Sean Wagner McGuff, or uh, yeah, Sean Wagner McGuff is his name. When people started trashing him about Aaron Rodgers, he says, well, that's funny how many people are mad at me about a guy not making the top 10 that was 20th in QBR last year. Now, I understand people like to make fun of QBR. That's fine. But again, it's one thing to just sit back and say, oh, yeah, you use that as your metric. You're so dumb. You use wins as your metric. You're so dumb. You use PFF as your metric. You're so dumb. The problem is there isn't a single metric that puts Aaron Rodgers near the top. Now, granted, QBR is uniquely bad, especially in 2018 and 2019. But everything else is almost perfectly the same. In 2019, he was ranked 20th. This is just ranking the quarterbacks based on their quarterback rating, based on, I think this is the ESPN metric. He was 16th in 2018, uh, not on 2017's list. He was 4th in 2016, which almost every metric has him 4th in 2016. It's very strange. And he was 14th in 2015, very similar to where he ranks in just about every metric. On average, based on his QBR, he's been 14th over the last, you know, four years, not including 2017. What about passer rating, which is very similar to QBR? It just takes the information and arranges it differently. Again, it's subjective, so you get to decide how much, which metrics you use and how much weight you put to eat. People generally who hate QBR like to use passer rating as a better metric. In 2019, he ranked 12th. In 2018, he ranked 13th. In 2017, he ranked 8th. 2016, take a wild guess. 4th, that's right. In 2015, he ranked 15th. On average, 10th. Average net yards per attempt. Again, a lot of people see this as the metric to judge quarterbacks by. 2019, 11th. 2018, 10th. 2017, 17th. And I am including that because, again, it's just an aggregate of the stats that you did put up. It has nothing to do... Excuse me, it's not... Did I say average net yards? It's adjusted net yards. I keep calling it average because usually when you see an A, it's average. But it's adjusted net yards per attempt. 2017, he was 17th, and I am including that. 2016, 6th, 2015, 21st. On average, 14th. If we just look through the average averages... Where does he rank on average for each metric? 13th, 10th, 14th, 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 11th, and 9th. Maybe top 10. Maybe top 10 over the last five years. If we just look at the metrics for 2019, he ranked 11th, 12th, 20th, 11th, 11th, 8th, and 9th. And again, this Sean Wagner McGuff said he is not in the top 10, but he's he, he just missed. He and Kirk Cousins and someone else were just outside. I don't necessarily agree, but it's not outrageous. If we just look at these metrics and say, where should he rank? The highest he ranks is touchdowns. He was eighth. PFF put him ninth, but you know, 11th, 11th, 20th, 12th, and 11th. If somebody said he's the 11th best quarterback, it's not that outrageous. Now, I don't have a lot of time, but I want to try to look at um, 
a couple others that that popped up later. Um, Nico threw in from the Facebook group a bunch of good good observations um, or thoughts. He says, I feel the best way to judge or rate a quarterback is how he does under pressure. Fortunately, PFF, to some degree, tracks that for us. And they don't give grades, which is, well, they do, but not in this format, which is fine because I think people are wary of the grades anyways. But they do give NFL passer rating based on the stats that were given while under pressure. If I sort the quarterbacks based on NFL passer rating under pressure, and we'll just do this uh, for each year, and I'm doing this live, so I'm not, you know, whatever. We'll see where he ranks. Aaron Rodgers in 2019 ranked 15th. In 2018, he ranked, I can't even find him, 25th. His passer rating was a 66.1. In 2017, Aaron Rodgers ranked 14th. In 2016, his one good year, he was first in the NFL. And in 2015, he was 19th. So under pressure... In 2016, he was the number one quarterback. Outside of 2016, he's barely top 20 while under pressure. Again, I'm just reading the information. You go ahead and and draw your own conclusions. I mean, I'm kind of coming to a conclusion here, and it's an uncomfortable conclusion, and I don't like it. But at the end of the day, I keep seeing people say Aaron Rodgers isn't an elite quarterback anymore, and I see Packers Twitter go nuts, and internally I roll my eyes and go, oh, here we go, more clickbait nonsense. But the problem is I can't find a single metric that puts Aaron Rodgers in an elite category. Not one. Not one. Nico goes on to also say, and somebody else had mentioned this, I have to mention win. Obviously, that's one of the most hated answers in the world, but some people feel like if you're a good quarterback, you're gonna, your team's going to have wins. Now, obviously, this is one that's going to uh, be liked by Packer fans in 2019 because the Packers had 13 wins, which has them tied for number two behind the Baltimore Ravens. That's great. The problem is, where does that put them in 2018 when the Packers had six wins? Aaron Rodgers doesn't rank very high. Where does that put them in 2017 when they had seven wins? Don't rank very high. Even in 2016, when when the, and the this is the biggest problem with this wins argument is that 2016 is the only year in the last five years that you can argue. And based on the top three, I don't think he was top three. By almost every metric, he was fourth. So close to. But that's the other thing that's frustrating. If if we look at at the last five years and say 2016 was his elite year, but he wasn't even top three. Drew Brees was top three like three times in the last five years. Ryan Tannehill via PFF was number one this past year. I mean, think about the elite quarterbacks. How many times, you know, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. Can you imagine in the last five years bragging about being top five once and trying to stand next to Chiefs fans or Seahawks fans or Saints fans and trying to actually brag about that? And again, this isn't just PFF metrics. I just listed off a bunch of them. And the biggest problem with wins is 2016, we had 10 wins. Seattle had 10 wins. Atlanta had 11 wins. New York Giants had 11 wins. Dallas had 13 wins. Oakland had 12. Kansas City had 12. Uh, Pittsburgh had 11. Miami had 10. New England had 14. Suddenly, we're not top five anymore. So you might want to throw out wins. Otherwise, he doesn't even have 2016 to rely on. And 2019 is really his only great season. Because we also had 10 wins in 2015. So really, if you look at wins, the only really good year we've had was 2019. Unless you think 10 wins is a great season. What was it? 10, 10, 7, 6, and 13? 
I mean, the team's not even that good in the last five years. Ironically, around that same time that we're saying, what's going wrong with Aaron Rodgers? And this is the thing, when Colin Coward comes out and talks about, you know, and he's not even, I just watched what he said recently, and he said, oh, I do think he's a great quarterback, and he's great, and he's great, and he's great, and this and da-da-da-da-da. So even he's not going down that path. I think he's going down a more ridiculous path. I watched his video to see what he would say, the most recent one, where he's talking about his problems or whatever, and then as soon as I heard him mention Martellus Bennett, I just turned it off. Martellus Bennett has no credibility whatsoever in anything. I mean, <laughs> he he can't really talk bad about Aaron Rodgers using Martellus Bennett without also throwing Tom Brady under the bus because he literally attacked every white quarterback. So just went ahead and turned that off. So I didn't get to Josh's thing. Uh, he came up with a criteria. It would take a little bit of work. But, I mean, you can look at, um, I mean, he said completion percentage. Let's just look at it quickly. That's not his full thing. It just starts with completion percentage, but it's easy enough to look at that. In fact, PFF has adjusted completion percentage, which is going to help Aaron Rodgers because they don't count throwaways, which in Aaron Rodgers' case, they probably should because some of that is his fault, but we'll, we'll do it anyway. Where was his adjusted completion percentage for the last five years? Where does Aaron Rodgers rank? Let's see. I, again, I can't find him. Aaron Rodgers was 23rd in 2019. 73.3 was his adjusted completion percentage. And again, they're not counting drops. They're not throwing, th- counting throwaways. They're not counting batted passes, sacks, any of that stuff. It's only missed throws. That's the only thing being counted, so there's no context missing here. In 2018, again, I cannot find him. Uh, I gotta scroll, scroll, scroll. I must have just missed him. Oh, there he is, 27th. 74%. In 2017, he was 7th at uh, 76.3. 2016, his consensus great year, he was 16th. And then 2015, he was 21st. So as far as adjusted completion percentage in the last five years, he's not even top 20. He's, he's just, on average, I can tell you already doing math in my head. Granted, there was a, a 6 in there, so maybe he comes out to like 18. But realistically, if I were to put money down, he's going to be out. At three out of the last five years, he's been outside, comfortably outside of the top 20. I guess 21 isn't comfortable, but 25 and 27. So he's not great with his adjusted completion percentage, which is essentially just accuracy. And, it, you know, to, I guess, continually pile on, it was, it was as, as I was already done with this, I just clicked on an article by uh, Peter Bukowski that he had written about Aaron Rodgers' accuracy issues and how a lot of the big play problems are with Aaron Rodgers. And he went through and looked at specific plays, saying, well, there's a lot of excuses about guys running wrong routes, but I looked at every single one of these plays, specifically to MVS, and I can account for, I forget the exact numbers, but the majority of, or I I shouldn't say the majority, it was around half, I think, but the the biggest numbered problem, the biggest problem of of all the individual issues, was Aaron Rodgers just throwing bad balls. And he went on to say that this is a similar finding to what they had found with play-action passes. I didn't read that article, but listen, everything is pointing in one direction. And again, this doesn't point to the fact that he, he doesn't still throw great passes. Some, he still throws those crazy, off-his-back-foot, highlight-reel-type stuff. That's great. But there's a, there is a distinct difference between being a highlight-reel guy and just being a really good player. Right? I've, I've constantly picked on Tom Brady because he has the worst highlights in the world. He doesn't make those kinds of throws. But by just about every metric, Tom Brady has been top five, top ten for the last five years. I'm sure he's had some bad years in there, but again, it's just, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what to do with the information. You don't like it, fine. Explain to me why I'm wrong. You go find the information. You go find where he's top three for the last five years, or any year for that matter. 
even again, even in 2016, which was an elite year, everybody probably said he was the best quarterback in football in 2016. Just elite, 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 elite. By just about every metric, he was he was around fourth, which is outside of the top three, barely in the top five. Which sounds great, but again, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been the number one quarterback in football. Jeez, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not asking that much to be top three once in a while. If, if we're going to say top three is a decent metric for being elite, you would think maybe once in the last five years. Now, if you go back six years, 2014, which I think 2014, you know, at least PFF would agree, Aaron Rodgers' best year and probably the Green Bay Packers' best year, uh, at least offensively, maybe as a team, I don't know. But um, the, the highest graded Packers offense since Aaron Rodgers took over, 2014, he was number one that year. 2013, he was fifth. 2012, he was third. 2011, he was second. 2010, he was fourth. So from 2010 to 2015, Aaron Rodgers was elite. And I'm willing to bet if you go through all these metrics, you're going to find a quarterback that ranks as elite, especially when you take into account that just because he ranks all these different places, if you take him compared to the other quarterbacks, he's by far number one. Because just because Tony Romo was was number one in 2010, if you average him out over those five years, I guarantee you he's not the number one quarterback. Even going back further, 2009, he was fourth. 2008, he was eighth, for crying out loud. 2008, I don't even think, I mean, he was barely just becoming a good quarterback. He was still better than he has been the last five years. And here, here's kind of my point. I've talked about this several times. I've been way too slow on a lot of stuff. Um, everybody was out on Dom Capers, and I still thought it's not his fault. He just doesn't have the right talent. Um, when Mike McCarthy got his one-year contract, I thought that was absurd. Like, why would you do that? Just because it was one bad year? Mike McCarthy's not a problem. Why would you even consider? Because that was my first thought. When he gets a one-year contract, this is a, a prove-it contract. I knew that was the case before I even saw it on my radar as a p- possibility that we would even get rid of him. And sure enough, he didn't even make it through that one-year contract. He was fired before the contract even expired. I just, I'm way too slow on this. And the fact of the matter is Aaron Rodgers has lost elite status for the last five years. 2015, I remember 2015. I remember watching all the massive overthrows and just saying, what is wrong with Aaron Rodgers? And I remember because that was the year that he started dating Olivia Munn and all these rumors came out that she's the problem, right? And, it was, and I'm not saying it was, I'm just saying I, I vividly remember. If you don't remember that happening, let me remind you of that. We were all having that conversation. Something's wrong with Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in football, so nobody took it seriously. And then in 2016, he had a bounce-back year, fourth-best quarterback. There he is. There's the old Rodgers we know and love. Everything's fine. 2017, he gets hurt, so it's like, ah, that doesn't really count. And then in 2018, he has a bad year, but it's like, well, I mean, he lost Jordy, and there was a lot of turmoil, and that's the problem. And then in 2019, it's, well, he doesn't have the weapons. And look, all these things are legitimate to a degree. If you look at his one good year, that happens to be the year in which he had Jordy and Devontae was just for his, for having his first good year, and he still had Randall Cobb before he completely fell off. And since then, there have been consistent problems. But 2019 is kind of the glaring issue. And, and I've listen, I mentioned this before, and I'm going to reiterate it. When we had drafted Jordan Love, I had a couple different episodes. You can go back and find it if you choose. I made the comment, and I think it might have even even titled the episode this, this is as much an evaluation of Aaron Rodgers as it is of Jordan Love. And look, we've done this before. We've made excuses for guys and then tried to take away their excuses expecting that this is going to be the year they prove it, and then they don't, and we realize that this is, this is now the problem. This is an evaluation of Aaron Rodgers. 
And look, the best argument for Aaron Rodgers is, well, he doesn't have the guys. He doesn't have the weapons. And I've already explained that's not a great excuse. It, it, it can work within the community. Packer fans will give you a pass on that. Right? 2015, Jordy was hurt. Uh, 2016, the one year he had his guys back. Again, everything was great. 2017, he got hurt. 2018, no Jordy. 2019, Devontae, no tight ends, no other wide receiver. Right? Granted, that only works if you say Alan Lazard is no good, and I thought we weren't saying that, so that's a little bit of a contradiction. Also, first time a really good run game in a very long time. By the way, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams both graded as top five receiving backs, so we'd also have to kind of ignore that. But again, if you try to pull that argument out there in the interwebs, it's not going to hold up very well. If we just look at the top quarterbacks, Drew Brees, the guys had one receiver. Russell Wilson, I don't even think he had... Tyler Lockett was the only receiver he had in 2019 that graded out as a good receiver. Tyler Lockett is not in an elite tier. And Russell Wilson consistently is top five. Patrick Mahomes has two if you include his tight end. Lamar maybe just has one good tight end and that's it. He doesn't have any elite wide receivers, zero. So listen, I I, kind of just don't... And and again, and if you listen to Colin Coward, he's wrong because he's talking about there's nothing wrong with his release or his accuracy or any of that stuff. That's not true. He can't hit MVS to save his life. He can't really throw the ball to anybody other than Devontae. The the overthrows and everything else are just kind of ridiculous. They're way too plentiful. There's way too many missed passes. And and it's not just deep balls, which are inexcusable in themselves. I went through the accuracy... uh, the adjusted completion percentage, it's terrible. Over the last five years, he's been horrible. Which, again, it has nothing to do with drops. It has nothing to do with throwaways, any of that stuff. It's simply just you threw the ball and the guy didn't catch it. And it's not the receiver's fault. So what's left? It means it's a bad throw. And in terms of good throws, again, he ranks in like the 20th range. His accuracy has been terrible. And again, it's not just deep balls. We're, We're seeing him miss screen passes. In 2018, it was becoming a real serious problem where he was throwing to guys in the flat and it would hit the dirt. Do you not remember that? When he's throwing to a guy who's who's maybe five yards away and it doesn't even reach his feet? That happened probably three, four, five times. So, again, I would love to hear an argument for what makes him top five. And if the best argument we have is it's not his fault, it's everybody else's fault, that still doesn't make him elite. It might be a reason why he's not, but again, you're gonna ha- I want you to look at the other quarterbacks and prove to me that every other quarterback over the last five years who's been a top three quarterback had what you're saying that Aaron Rodgers doesn't. Aaron Rodgers has benefited from one of the best offensive lines in football over the last five years. He's had Devontae, who's one of the best wide receivers, for at least three years. Prior to that, he had Jordy, he had at, um, Aaron uh, Randall Cobb. I mean, there, there's a, there's a strip, strict overlap. As Jordy went away and Randall Cobb deteriorated, you had Devontae becoming one of the best receivers in football. Aaron Jones coming into being one of the best running backs in football. 2019 becoming one of the best receiving backs in football. And, and again, our number two wide receiver, Alan Lazard, is above average in terms of number two wide receivers. In terms of number one wide receivers, we can be critical. But why we assume we, we should have two number one wide receivers is ridiculous. Almost nobody has that. Alan Lazard, compared to the rest of the league's number two wide receivers, is a top-tier number two. So this Aaron Rodgers is suffering narrative is weak at best. Well, he doesn't have a tight end, he needs a tight end. Okay, lots of teams don't have tight ends. 
Explain to me why Russell Wilson is benefiting from a tight end. Who's been his tight end in the last five years? Are we going to say Jimmy Graham? Is that what we're going to do right now? That other Wilson guy that I already forgot his name? Something Wilson? Is that what we're going to say? As soon as we stop making excuses and hyperbolic arguments and actually start looking at information, there is no information that points to Aaron Rodgers over five years being elite quarterback. From 2008 to 2014, elite, elite, elite. And the fact of the matter is, again, we, we just are refusing to acknowledge it. And we've had enough excuses to dismiss seasons, but the fact that we've had 2018 and 2019 looking more reflective of 2015 through 2017, you know, in other words, the excuses don't hold anymore, and we're still seeing the same Aaron Rodgers. So, yes, you're going to have to excuse me when I'm skeptical at the idea that he's mad now that that Jordan Love got drafted and he's going to be this VIP candidate. And James Jones, who said we were going to go 16-0 and a couple years back, is now saying that Aaron Rodgers is going to be MVP. I appreciate that. I hope it happens. But again, it's been like six years since Aaron Rodgers has been a top quarterback. And you, you know, again, in the last five, 2016 was, was, a, was the anomaly, not the rule. It was, it was the exception to the rule, not the rule. So again, I, and if we're, if we're going to use those excuses, what changes this year? We have to assume he's going to be terrible this year, right? Because he still just has one wide receiver and no real tight ends. I mean, maybe he'll get a tight end, but it's the same team. One really good wide receiver, a decent number two, elite offensive line, great run game, good receiving backs, and what, poor Aaron Rodgers? And so we assume he's going to be like 10th or 12th. Should we just assume then he's going to be worse than Stafford and Kirk Cousins again like he was last year? You know, via PFF and pretty much every other metric. Again, we can laugh at it because it sounds ridiculous, but we're still thinking in terms of 2012. We're thinking this is 2014. It's not. This isn't 2016. This isn't 2014 or 12 or 2009 or 2010. It's 2020. And the man has not been elite quarterback in the last five years. And, and, and the final thing that we need to acknowledge when it comes to Jordan Love, again, what I've said in the past is Jordan Love doesn't need to be an elite quarterback. Jordan Love needs to be a decent quarterback. But let's say Aaron Rodgers is the 10th best quarterback in football. If we're just going to be, let's say, generous based on every metric we've looked at. Because again, at, at best, he's 8th and ninth. He's got a bunch of 14th. I would say 14th is probably a comfortable area. But let's just say he's top. He's number 10. Let me ask you this. Would you rather pay $39 million for the number 10 quarterback or pay just a rookie contract and save about $22 million, trade Aaron Rodgers, get probably a first-ish round pick, and have the 14th best quarterback? That's not even a question. If Jordan Love is just a top-half quarterback in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers goes bye-bye. It's not even a question in my mind, and I doubt it's a question in, in LaFleur and Gutekunst's mind. It sounds ridiculous to most people that Jordan Love is going to supplant Aaron Rodgers before his contract is up, only if you assume he's a top three quarterback or a top five quarterback, which everybody does. I'm just saying, where in the world are you seeing that? I, I don't see it. Where do you see it? Well, nobody can make these kinds of throws. Well, Jordan Love can. Doesn't make him a good quarterback, but we know he can make those kinds of throws. I mean, there's a lot of quarter. There, there are several quarterbacks that can make those kinds of throws that, you know, maybe aren't great. That was the whole reason we got Jordan Love, right? I mean, he's he's one of those guys that can play off script and throw off his back foot and do all this kind of crazy stuff. The question is, is he going to be any good? It's funny that we could say that out loud, but completely ignore the fact that Aaron Rodgers does those things. And because of that, he's a great quarterback. Well, if that makes him a great quarterback, then we should just play Jordan Love right now. 
because he can already make those kinds of throws. Now, in between might be a disaster, but if that's the only metric, the fact that he can make highlight reel type throws occasionally, that we can get one or two plays per game of him doing something incredible, Aaron Rodgers should be traded today. Obviously, this is, this is not serious, but that, that's my point. Outside of the crazy throws and the fact that he does have all these great things, and obviously the, 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 the talent is still there for Aaron Rodgers. It's not like he lost it. Something's just off with him. And that's a good sign in terms of his ability to come back. He can come back. I don't know what it's going to take. Seems to be a mental thing with him. He's got the ability to, to put the ball where it needs to be. He's just not doing it, and he hasn't done it in five years four out of the last five years, whatever. So again, I, I stand by what I said. This this drafting Jordan Love is similar to me to when the Green Bay Packers handed Mike McCarthy a one-year contract. It is a prove-it deal, and he did not prove it. Aaron Rodgers is, is in a sense, being handed a prove-it deal. And by the way, they recently adjusted his contract to free up additional money, which does what? It pushes more money back, which does what? It makes him more expensive in the future, which does what? make it more desirous that we get rid of him. It also makes it a little bit more expensive to get rid of him, but the point is, it, it, it pushes up the amount of money we're going to have to pay him in the future that we're not going to want to pay him. Because for every dollar you get paid, you have to be that much better, or let's just say million dollar, because... And when we're talking about $39 million in two years, Aaron Rodgers has not been a $39 million worth quarterback since 2016. This is now five years removed from that. 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. So, again, we'll see, but despite the excuses, I promise you, Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, and Mark Murphy for that matter, are not fans of the Green Bay Packers. They are, but they don't look at things as fans. They're not sitting back going, dude, Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT, bro. They're only looking at information. And the information does not say top three quarterback. It does not say top five quarterback. It says maybe top 10 quarterback. Definitely top 15 quarterback. But top 15 is top half. And you are now laying out a contract for a quarterback that is top three, top five money for a top 15 quarterback. That doesn't make sense. Again, if if Jordan Love proves to be a top 15, top 12 quarterback, Aaron Rodgers goes bye-bye. That's just the reality of the situation. So anyways, I'm way over time. I got to get going. I know I said this would be a short episode. It should have been because I should have literally been done and getting ready for work 26 minutes ago. But again, I I look forward to messages that prove me wrong. I would love to find that golden goose. Um, You know, touchdown to interception ratio, I guess. Throws a good amount of touchdowns, very few interceptions. If you want to live and die by that, Aaron Rodgers is, was, and always will be the GOAT. Well, look at his career passer rating. Well, yeah, he's great there. But again only because of the work he did from 2008 to 2014. It has been a drain. We went through passer rating the last five years. It hasn't been very good. Anyways, I'm, I'm done now. And I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. The work that he did from 2008 to 2015, and he, even the highlights from then on, his ability as a player is unique and rare. Of course he's a Hall of Famer. Of course he's been one of the greatest to ever play the game. The question is, what is he in 2020? That's all I'm asking. Now I'm done, I promise. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.